When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Corp is coming in, building a world record. Corp is the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. Ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne, and he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Australia is back on the biggest stage. Welcome to this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. We are here for our great friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives with one of footy's most decorated characters. Rob Wiley won a stunning eight best and fairest for Perth, a premiership for Richmond and was there when the West Coast Eagles forged their name in the VFL. And after playing, a career in the coach's box brought even more success. G'day Rob, welcome. Thanks very much for having me on your show. I touched on your honour roll there. It is certainly one to be proud of. As we sit here now, how do you look back on your career? With a lot of fond memories, to be honest, Sammy. Uh, you know, as young men, um, you dream to play at the highest level. And for me, uh, as a West Australian, it was, uh, first of all, playing in the, the waffle. Uh, but us West Australians, we always had that show, um, winners, the winners. And uh, it was always on Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. So... From an early age, uh, I was also subject to watching uh, the VFL side. So, as I said, you always got to take step by step. I wanted to play in the waffle. Um, I was a mad West Perth supporter, but unfortunately, but in the end, fortunately, I lived in the Perth area. So I had to play for Perth. Um, but uh, once I wanted to establish myself there, I really had my eye on, on challenging myself and, and hopefully getting a chance to play in the VFL. And uh, luckily enough, um, to be able to do both, and uh, play in premierships for Perth. I played in two premierships for Perth, one for Richmond. Um, as, as a footballer, uh, it was a dream come true. So I, I look back, with, as I said, with a lot of fond memories, uh, really happy to get those opportunities. And, and the last one in my playing days, Sammy, was uh, I ended up playing in the inaugural West Coast Eagles team. And um, to sit back now and see you know, how West Coast have progressed over these years and to be part of that when they didn't have change rooms, they didn't have an oval, uh, was something special and uh, tough at the time, but something special to look back at now. Well, you might have grown up barracking for West Perth, but that didn't stop you uh, absolutely turning it on against them. You saved some of your best performances for West Perth, but we'll come back to that in a moment. What does your connection, Rob, to the game look like at the moment? Oh, well, I love it. You know, people say the game's changed, and of course it's changed. Uh, you know, we can't uh, not evolve in different areas, and, and obviously this year's even 
more of a change with shortened quarters and, and COVID. But, you know, I, as I said, I'm fortunate that I was involved. I'm still involved slightly at the moment uh, with a, a PSA school here in Perth, the Christchurch, um, just overseeing their football program. But, um, you know, every time I watch football, uh, on the TV or go live to, to watch it at the Optus Stadium. Um, I, I just think it's great. And there's a lot of people um, that have given many opportunities as our game has grown. You know, as I said, it's, it's you know, the opportunities for coaches and for support staff and for sports sciences and, you know, new dietitians. There's just a whole, you know, spectrum of, of people that have benefited from, from our game evolving, Sam. So, no, I still love it. Uh, still, you know, enjoy watching it. Um, and quite enjoy not having the stress now of having to make decisions uh, about certain games. So 179 games for Perth, Rob, and 415 goals. 95 games for Richmond, 127 goals. And then you mentioned the cameo for West Coast at the end, 18 games, 24 goals. It's fair to say the goal-kicking rover tag set well with you, didn't it? It did. Love kicking a goal. And, uh, you know, I mean, those days too, Sammy, it was, you never came off the ground. So uh, it was only, you know, the, I suppose the, the latter part uh, with West Coast where you could, you know, sort of um, rotate. But, um, you, you know, you, you played in the middle and you went forward. So we had many opportunities to kick goals. Um, but as a young kid growing up, I was really good mates with Peter Spencer, who played for East Perth and then went and had a little stint with North Melbourne. And, you know, we used to go down the Oval and we just had so many games and competition of kicking goals. So I suppose it was, you know, sort of in me. And then mum used to say to me in juniors, I'll give you 10 cents for every goal you kicked. And 10 cents in those days, Sammy, was a lot of money. So it was a lot of motivation to become a... Yeah, a lot of... Exactly right. So it was a lot of, you know, a lot of... Motive, you know, it was a lot of motives to, to be able to become a good goal kicker. So, um, and, and that, as I said, formed part of the way I, I played that, you know, um, I was sort of, you know, uh, able to add to the scoreboard, you know, other than being a key forward. Well, they might have paid you. In fact, they not might have. They definitely did pay you a bit more money for kicking a goal as you grew up, thankfully. Now, there's no room for modesty on sporting life here either, Rob. So I mentioned you saved some of your best performances for West Perth. How about this one? 1977, you've gone out and had 42 possessions. Great game as a midfielder. You just thought you'd put a bit of icing uh, on the cake and, and kick a lazy 10 out of midfield to go with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny story about that, Sammy, because um, I was pretty happy with myself, as you as you would be. And uh, uh, after the game, my father, who you know, sort of uh, obviously helped me along in, in the early years, he said, "Well, he said I didn't think you played that well." I said, "Dad, but I've just kicked ten goals, you know, and had had heaps of touches." He said, "But remember, this is where the things we're working on." And uh, you know he was right in in one respect, Sammy. I mean he was uh, pretty hard on me, but uh, as you said, you know you can always be better. And I think that was something that you know stayed with me always as a um, as a footballer and as a coach. Um, that you know you can never get happy with yourself. Um, you can certainly be um, pleased, but you know once you get happy with yourself, well the game goes past you. And um, you know it was a great great lesson. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty good game, mate. <laughs> I don't know if the old man was unhappy. I thought you were going to say the fact that you kicked four behinds. I thought you were going to, he was going to say you're wasteful. Uh, mate, yeah, that was one of them, I suppose. Uh, you, you know, you had a couple of easy shots, but, you know, as I said, um, I, I was lucky because, you know, my mother and father, uh, three sisters, they, you know, 
supported my career unbelievably, but they're also pretty honest people. And, um, you know, they always made sure I respected people, kept my feet on the ground. And I think, um, you know, if there was one thing that I learned most from my parents, it was respect for people. And uh, it's certainly uh, something that I always cherish and, and always respect. It doesn't matter what you do or who you are. Uh, you're a person and, uh, you know, I really believed in that and, and stuck by it. Uh, well said. And speaking of the family, you were born and raised in Kalgoorlie. So for those unfamiliar, 600 kilometres northeast of Perth. Tell us, Rob, what was a young footy life like out there? Well, I was a mascot, Sammy, in 1958. I was three years of age and my father was in the police force stationed there. That's why, why, I, was, why I was born. But... Um, yeah, they won the premiership in that year. So if anyone's going to Kalgoorlie, they go into the Railway, Railways Football Club. There's a photo up there with a little three-year-old sitting at the front as a mascot. And that was about my football career in uh, Kalgoorlie because we moved to Perth when I was four uh, right. and moved to a suburb called Manning. And uh, Manning Junior Football Club produced some pretty good footballers. Uh, Brian Peake, uh, Peter Spencer... Um, also Mark Mark McClure who uh, made his name at Carlton but he started his football career as a Manning Junior Football uh, Club person so um, yeah it was pretty lucky but as I said all, all my um, all my development was done down here in Perth Yeah so you certainly spent the majority of childhood in that city now you were certainly ready for life in the waffle right from the start 19 year old best and fairest in your first year what are your recollections of that debut year in the uh, in the waffle well, I can remember my first game. It was against Subiaco at Subi, uh, home of football here in WA, it was. Um, I kicked one goal eight, Sam. So <laughs> I certainly uh, found the football okay, but uh, wasted many one opportunities. One goal eight? So, one goal eight. So the coach of Perth, uh, the late Ken Armstrong, who was uh, a fantastic coach and uh, you know, a lot to my development uh, at senior football uh, with what he did with me. He said, right, Rob, Tuesday, I want you to be at training half an hour early. And for 30 minutes before anyone got there, we just practiced goal kicking on the run, set shots. Uh, so we line up for the second game uh, against Claremont, and I kicked eight goals one. So it was uh, an interesting <laughs> two two games start for me where, uh, as I said, uh, another, you know, sort of great message was that you got to keep working hard. And... Uh, so it was it was fantastic, and, and as I said, I was very fortunate. We had a pretty good side in Perth. We played in the grand final that year. We lost to East Fremantle, Sam, but uh, you know to to rock up and play with some you know, good experienced players and good even um, depth across the field certainly helped a, a skinny nineteen year old uh, adjust. You know, sort of much quicker than, than maybe other times. Well, that skinny 19-year-old won the best and fairest, as I say, that year. And then you decided that you're going to peel off another four BNF. So five seasons in, five best and fairest. And the break came because of your move to Richmond that we'll touch on a little bit later. But how hard was it, Rob, to perform not just week in, week out, but season in, season out, when you would have clearly been getting attention from the opposition? Yeah, I think uh, Polly Farmer was coaching East Perth in 76 Sam, and um, that was obviously into my third year, and he, he decided to put a run with player on, a guy called Stephen Curtis, who was as hard as nails, so that was my first introduction, but but again, I think, you know, um, yeah, certainly when you set a certain standard, you've got to uh, maintain that, and uh, again, as I said, uh, my family certainly helped me do that. Um, Dad, 
dad taught me a great lesson, and and all young you know footballers um, you know should be doing it now. Is setting goals each week. Um, so you know I always had a focus. Um, and it wasn't about the end result. It was about, you know, what was important to practice at training and, and going into a game. So I think that that really helped me, Sam, to, to be able to maintain consistency. And, um, you know, as I said, it was it, the pressure of, um, you know, the outside people, um, you know, but more importantly, it should be, you know, the pressure of yourself in a, in a, in a, a good way, manner. Because sometimes, you know, having worked with a lot of athletes over the years, that when you're too hard on yourself, um, it can have an adverse uh, effect. So, um, but mm. the goal setting really helped me. And uh, as we look back now, it, it certainly, you know, made, made for consistency. Um, but it was also, we were in a pretty good side, uh, Sam. You know, Perth was a pretty powerhouse in those years and you know when you're playing with good players you know it helps your confidence as well so yeah I was very fortunate in, in that part. Yeah well we touch on your individual accolades which were immense but the back-to-back premierships I imagine are what live with you as much as anything there with Perth 76 and 77 the glory days. Yeah well 74 as I said you know having played at many junior football club for eight years I think we played off in seven grand finals so I was used to playing into in grand finals, so going to Perth and playing in my first was fantastic. Fifty thousand people at at Leadable, at uh, Subiaco Oval. Um, I was pretty lucky. I, I I kicked six goals, Sam, in that that particular game, and we were beaten badly. So you know, as a nineteen year old, his first year it was you know pretty sort of um, it was a pretty good, I suppose, game to to, to finish off, even though we got beaten. Um, yeah. But you know. Uh, to Perth's credit, they, they, they recruited uh, one or two players um, just to help what we had. And, and a guy called Gary Gibellini, who played for East Romano in, that, uh, in their premiership in 74, came across. And he was certainly a, a player that really helped. And, you know, we missed out in the finals in 75 after a good 74 season. And I think that motivated us even more. And so 76 and 77... You know, we we certainly were dominant. Seventy eight, uh, we got beaten by two points, I think, um, in a very very wet day at Perth. Uh, but we lost our full forward in Murray Cooper and our our full back in John Quartermain going into that. So losing those two players did have a bit of an impact. But um, you know, uh, we we had great battles with East Perth. But to be able to be involved, you know, in my first five years at Perth in in four grand finals, you know, I thought well. This is why you play football, and uh, you know it, it was um, it was great memories. And, and said it would have been nice, I think, that we probably we were the best side in '78, but we still didn't win it. Four grand finals, five years, amazing, and and two premierships, five best and fairest as well. Throughout this uh, unbelievable journey, Rob, starting your career in the Waffle, was the lure of the VFL always there for you? I mean, did you have a lot of clubs come knocking in the years that uh, early in your career? Uh, yep, because in those days it was uh, the Form 4. Uh, there was no draft. And, uh, you know, I had probably, uh, there's probably three clubs, two in particular. I mean, Geelong and Essendon were very keen. Um, and St Kilda showed some interest. Uh, but Richmond sort of didn't come into being until I actually got taken over to, uh, I think it was the 76th grand final. Um, and my mate Peter Spencer had been taken over by Richmond. And so in talking to the late Alan Swab, um, he said, we've been told we, can never t- we can't talk to you. And I said, rubbish. I said, just ring my dad. 
And so that's how Richmond got involved. And then um, Paddy Ganaim was the uh, recruiting officer for Richmond. And uh, it was a tough decision. It really you know, sort of went down to two clubs, Geelong and Richmond. But in the end, uh, I suppose, you know, I really liked what Paddy Ganaim said. I love the fact that Richmond played at the MCG every second week, um, which was a great lure. Um, because that's the home of football, and there just seems so uh, so much tradition and, and culture at, at the Richmond Footy Club. So in the end, I, I signed a Form 4, I think in maybe 77, but chose to stay um, for one more year after that. I could have, I could actually could have gone in 78 to Richmond, but I chose to uh, stay one more year, and... Um, and then went to Richmond in 79. So, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, it was a huge decision. Um, but luckily enough, Sam, I, I pulled the right uh, rein and uh, ended up at, uh, at the club that had a pretty good period for the five years that I was there. Definitely a smart decision. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Well, as we just touched on after the break, we'll trace Rob Wiley's journey to Tigerland and that 1980 premiership. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Great to have your company on This Is Your Sporting Life, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. We're chatting to decorated former West Australian footballer Rob Wiley. Rob, what got you over the line eventually to head to Melbourne and play for the Tigers? Well, I think it was just the lure of the MCG and what a, an unbelievable club Richmond represented uh, with their, you know, their past history of winning premierships. Um, so, yeah, look, as I said, it was uh, those days when you had a bit of a choice, it was pretty tough. But lucky enough, there were a few clubs and uh, Paddy Ganane and the, and the culture and the tradition of the Richmond Footy Club probably won me over. So you come across with a lot of talent, but still relatively young and relatively unknown on the Eastern Seaboard in the VFL. Did you always know you were good enough coming in, Rob, or was there a moment of doubt? Well, there's always moments of doubt. I mean, you've got to have that self-confidence. If you don't have that self-confidence, then you can't succeed. Um, But funnily enough, Sam, as a Western Australian... Going to Victoria, there was probably more pressure back here in the West than it was in Victoria with the winners and, you know, because West Australians really looked up to the VFL, respected the VFL. Um, you know, it was certainly a huge challenge to succeed. Um, I probably made a couple of bad choices. Uh, I decided I was a teacher. Um, I decided not to teach in my first year. I thought I'd concentrate on football and put all my energies into football, but I couldn't have made a worse choice because in those days, training didn't start till five. Um, I spent a lot of time at home, um, got bored, uh, got lazy. It didn't help my football one little bit, Sam. And uh, Mm. in the end, uh, halfway through um, the year, I tore my hamstring really bad. So 79 was a real train wreck, to be honest. Um, never achieved uh, anywhere near where I could achieve. Um, I p- probably played that badly. There was um, the legendary Graham Richmond. Um, probably thought, well, we've recruited a dub here because he's been playing poorly. He hasn't come up to measure. 
um, you know, and so he was trying to get, he tried to trade me. Um, I actually had lunch with uh, North Melbourne. Um, in the end, it never happened. I think wow. also there was rumours that, uh, you know, Gra- um, Graham was trying to move on Jeff Rains and Dale Waitman, um, but none of that happened either. Uh, so we all stayed. We all stayed for the 80 season and uh, we won the flag, obviously. The best and first was Jeff Raines. Runner-up was Rob Wiley and third best and first was Dale Waitman. So sometimes, <laughs> you know, you can get it wrong and sometimes you need to have some patience. Um, I realised, you know, I, I realised that I wasn't fit enough. I'd made the wrong choice. Um, so when I came back to the Western uh, September of, of that 79 season, I, I ended up training 12, 13 times a week. I had to get my hamstring right, but, you know, I, I really wanted to, to get back and and show, you know, that I can play at that level. Uh, and when I got back, Sam, I went to Tony Tudor and I said, listen, TJ, I said, mate, you've been playing me up forward the games that I did play. I said, I am a midfielder. I'm a running player. I said, give me a chance. And to his credit, <laughs> he did give me a chance in the early part of 80 and um, I never looked back. So, uh, again, there were great messages that sometimes we don't prepare well enough. Uh, sometimes you just got to believe yourself more. And, and, and when you're going to ask someone to have faith in you, then you've got to be prepared to back it up with action. And, um, you know, so um, after the 79, it was very fond times at uh, Tigerland. Yeah, so despite them putting you on the trade table, Rob, you were prepared to look at yourself to fix issues rather than take issue with the club, which I think we see it time and time again, don't we? Players can go one of each way, but you clearly looked inwards rather than outwards yeah. to, to put the story straight, so to speak. Well, so yeah, Definitely, Sam, because you know, you've got to actually take responsibility for your own actions. And um, you, you know, I knew I could play good football, um, but it wasn't... You know, sure, Richmond didn't play me much um, through the midfield, but again, that was the only reason was that because I wasn't playing that well. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, I had a good look at that. Um, there was it was an interesting time too because being a bit homesick, I came back and I met my future wife, and I uh, thought, you know, do I want to go back? It was such, you know, not an enjoyable experience. Uh, but then I had a good look at myself and thought, well, you can't run. And you can't not, you know, sort of have a, a real decent crack. Um, so, um, yeah, as I said, trying really hard, put my hand up there, so give me a go in, in the position that I've made the name back here in the West. Um, and, yep, and we certainly, you know, Tony Jewell certainly did that and uh, I was thankful that he gave me that opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I said we had a great 1980. You did indeed, and it finishes grand final day against Collingwood at the MCG. Everything you wanted when you came over. I'd be interested to know how you thought it stacked up against your time in Perth. This game was over at halftime. I think you led by seven goals against the Pies. KB goes on to kick seven, and David Cloak bags six, and you have a very handy 26 possessions and three goals. This must have been what you dreamt of. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, the... The, the highest pinnacle that you can, can reach. Um, you know, the winning feeling doesn't matter, you know, whether it be under 16s or a Waffle Grand Final for Perth or a VFL Premiership for for the Tigers. You know, the winning feeling was certainly um, the same. But the build-up, um, you know, the, the, the people at training, 
you know, obviously the great Tiger Army, you know, it was 10,000 people at training on a Thursday night, 113,000 at the game. You know, the whole build-up was just a little bit different. Um, and to sit back, and particularly, Sam, I think in my particular case where, you know, I struggled in my first year to be able to turn that around um, and with the ultimate prize was certainly even more, um, you know, even more sort of rewarding. Um, so yeah, it was it was just uh, yeah, as I said, uh, to to win in a VFL premiership and flash AFL is certainly what we all set out to achieve, and uh, very fortunate again that you know in my choosing, I mean, who, who's to know what's going to happen? I you know I didn't know the football squad of Richmond, but I just loved the club Richmond, and uh, you know as I said, the yellow and black army. Oh, fantastic to play in front of every second week, or, you know, particularly at the MCG. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, fantastic, mate. Really uh, something, as I said, that we sit back now. We, we have quite a few. Um, Ian Wilson, the president, puts on a dinner every grand final week for any premiership player. So, uh, you know, to sit back, we had great stories and great laughs. I mean, we sat at the table last year with Mick Malthouse and Jimmy Jess and Michael Roach and Dale Waitman and Mervyn Kane and just to, to have a laugh about, you know, what they did at training and, uh, you know, all the the pranks that we got up to, you know, just to, to relive that and have a laugh after laugh is just fantastic. Obviously, 81, unfortunately, doesn't hit the same heights, but you get back to the grand final in 1982, Rob, but this time... You've got Carlton seemingly under control at half time, but they obviously produced the, the big second half to, to win the premiership. Uh, and I guess this is the chalk and cheese nature of football, isn't it? Definitely. Uh, you know, and again, you know, after winning 80, you know, everyone said, oh, this Richmond side is going to be a powerhouse for the years to come. Mm. But it's like anything in life, nothing stays the same. And you've got to add um, and you've got to recruit. And I think Richmond failed to really add anything that put pressure on internally um, by meaning that, you know, you had to fight for your spot because someone else might take it. It wasn't that pressure. And I think that, you know, we, we had a little bit of the premiership hangover and the fact that we didn't recruit um, and other sides went past us. Um, so that that was certainly a disappointing 81, but uh, they were able to recruit again and got Morris Rioli and a few others, and and we certainly bounced back in 82. And uh, it was an unfortunate... Uh, look, the game was up for grabs, and we always had great battles with Carlton. I can always remember walking in the, through the doors the first time. I said, Rob, there's only one team that you hate at Richmond, and that's Carlton. So, you know, to be beaten by Carlton in, in that uh, premiership wasn't great to take. But, um, you know, the, the great story of Mick Malthouse, his, uh, fitness, his fitness test on the Thursday before the grand final, um, that was really deflating, to be honest, Sam. And I think it did have an impact because Mick was such a, um, you know, an important part of our side. He gelled. Um, you know, he certainly had leadership qualities back then and that led into his unbelievable coaching career. But it was probably a bit deflating. And then we lost Bruce Tempany early um, with a broken arm. And that, that again unsettled us a little bit. But, you know, we still had our, our, our opportunities um, and Carlton were just too good on the day. And uh, we had the streaker. Um, actually, I've got a nine-year-old grandson, Sammy, and he's said to me about six months ago, so I don't know why, he, he said that, uh, Pop, he said, have you ever played in a game with a streaker? I said, 
funnily enough, Wyatt, of the two streakers that have played in our game, that have happened in our game, was the 82 grand final and a state game in WA, and I played them both. So uh, you say, oh, how do we have a look at it, Pop? I said, hey, you're only nine years of age. You just keep your eyes in your head, mate. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, like as, as I said, it was uh, we, we had opportunities to win, but uh, in the end, Carlton just uh, a little bit too good for us. Keep him away from YouTube, Rob, all right? Watch his every move. Yeah, I know. Uh, did, did you have any feeling as a player at that time that Richmond were obviously, as they were, about to enter the finals and football wilderness? Did you have any sense of that as a player? Uh, look, you know, again, there was a lot of talk that, uh, you know, from after 83, the club sort of struggled. But there are a lot of players left. I mean, uh, Jeff Raines moved on, as did Brian Wood, as did David Cloak, as did Brian Taylor. Um, I went home, Malthouse retired. So, you know, there was a fair chunk of, uh, I suppose, experience and talent that departed. Um, and when that happens, you know, it's really hard to to replace. I think, um, you know, Richmond went and bought a couple of players from Collingwood and probably uh, paid overs and they probably didn't achieve the way that they thought. Um, so... Um, yeah, it, it probably set the standard for a while. It's very hard to get back, um, you know, particularly when the competition's so even uh, and, you know, the talent's certainly there at other clubs. So um, it was, yeah, as I said, I think, you know, a big chunk of players leaving and then probably recruiting the wrong players took them a while to, um, to get back to, to being the successful club that they knew. And was that a couple of the ingredients that went into your decision as well, Rob? Obviously, you you went back to Perth after the 83 season and back to the Waffle. Was it key in your decision-making? Um, you, you know, Francis Burke was the coach at the time. And, you know, I, I thought Francis was great. Um, unbelievable pilot player, you know. It was, uh, and, and, and Burke, he just, you know, told it straight. He probably just needed a little bit more flexibility in, the, you know, the way he spoke to, to players and maybe that put a few players off. But for me, no. It was, I just had it in the back of my mind, uh, Sam, that I wanted to go home and finish my playing career in Perth. Um, and I sort of made that decision halfway through that 83 season not knowing that my wife was then to be diagnosed with a, a form of cancer. Um, so in the end, it was probably the best decision so that, you know, once that she had to go through some treatment, she had family support. And um, so, yeah, so it was really, it was more about the fact that I just wanted to finish. Uh, I had five unbelievable years at Richmond that were, taught me so much and gave me so many great memories. Um, but I just wanted to finish back here, and um, and that was really the main reason. You're with This Is Your Sporting Life, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, after this break, Rob Wiley finds more success in the waffle, and then he goes and helps West Coast launch into the big time. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, you're with This Is Your Sporting Life, powered by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Rob, how long in the works was the West Coast Eagles footy club? I mean, before it all uh, was put in concrete, I imagine there was a lot of talk, a lot of scuttlebutt. Were there a lot of conversations behind the scenes that you're aware of before it actually came to pass? Middle of 86. 
86 or early, around, around the middle of 86, there started to be a few little, you know, more sort of, um, I suppose, strength in the fact that we, we could get a licence. And uh, so I sat in a, in a couple of meetings with a number of people uh, just to discuss, you know, what was needed and, you know, how could we go about, you know, setting uh, the scene of a club. So, so as I said, it was a really good experience to be able to, to be involved and then, you know, see a club grow from infancy of, uh, of having nothing really other than a squad of, 35 players to um, play off in that 87 season. You know, Sam, it was quite an amazing feat, um, you know, the club to do and, and achieve what they did in that first year, which probably, you know, set the, the standards of uh, what was to come, even though it was uh, a few lean years after that. In round 22, you have 24 touches, you kick three goals, and in the last game of the season, you belt St Kilda by 88 points at Subiaco, so you certainly went out on a high. Yeah, I, I did, and I and I actually met with Ron Alexander, um, the coach, uh, who I thought did uh, quite an amazing job, and I still can't work out why he was given the boot after one year, Sam. Um, mm. and that still sort of uh, surprised me, but I actually sat uh, down with Ron, and I said, listen, Ron, you know, where do you see me playing? You know, he said, oh, well, I don't see you as a full-time player, um, you know, this and that. And I thought I was sort of half thinking about not playing. And then Ron was honest. And you have to be honest as a coach, you know, because uh, it's easily, you're easily seen through. Um, so he just cemented the fact that, you know, I wasn't going to be the player that probably I could, you know, was. So, um, and then Mel Brown, who was finishing up at Perth, uh, all in this period, said, I'm going to finish up. He said, I think you should coach Perth. And so that was, again, you know, a thought process that, yep, okay, my playing days were over. Um, I always thought I'd get into the coaching scene. Um, so it was an easy fix. I could go back and coach again the side that, you know, I played with, with such great um, fondness. Um, so that's how, you know, I, I, I went from uh, playing into coaching we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, after this, we'll get Rob Wiley's recollections on that transition from champion player to the coach's box. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, you're with This Is Your Sporting Life, powered by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Well, it's been a fascinating chat with one of the game's greats, Rob Wiley. Rob, you always had a passion, as you said before the break, for coaching while you were playing, and it was at Perth in 88 you took over from Mal Brown. How'd you look at your two seasons in the coaching caper? Because you were probably a little bit stiff to have it end after two years. It was certainly my decision to end, but um, 88 was interesting because I was going to be a player coach, uh, Sam, after a, a few games. Again, my preparation of wanting to play and, and coach, it was a pretty tough tough assignment. I, I decided I'd just concentrate on the coaching. We, we started off really well at Perth, and a guy called Stephen Mount, who I played with at Richmond, he went to South Fremantle. I got him to Perth. He, he was amazing. We were going really well. Then we had a little bad patch. The last game 
um, of the season. We had to um, beat Swan Districts up at Swans. We had to rely on Claremont beating, forget who, at home. And we, or we had to rely on South Romano beating whoever at their home. They both got beat. We beat Swan Districts by 10 goals. Uh, we ended up fifth. 12 games we won for the season, end up uh, missing out in the finals. Then in 89, we lost probably six to eight players. And again, you know, losing a chunk of players like that made it really tough. Um, unfortunately, also, my wife had been, uh, she got cancer back again. So um, in the end, I thought, you know, maybe I've got to concentrate a little bit more on my family um, and and certainly my wife to give her some, some support. Um, so at the end of 89, I decided that I would give it away. Um, then Malthouse gets the job at Eagles. <laughs> And uh, through another spanner in the works, and uh, Marcia, who was always a great supporter of mine, my late wife, and she said, "Well, to get back at the you know the uh, VFL slash AFL level, you're crazy not to." Um, Mick wanted me to be his assistant coach, but uh, in in the end, Sam, I I, I also had just taken up um, a business, a news agency, so I, I couldn't spend the time to be at training all the time. So we came up with more the runner for the first couple of years. Um, so I became mixed runner. And they, yeah. were, they were interesting. They were interesting times, I can tell you that. It was, uh, <laughs> Don't shoot the I messenger. Think actually, yeah. I think we actually changed the rules, Sam, um, because I think the AFL decided that anyone on the coaching panel couldn't be a runner uh, um, because they thought I was coaching too much on the ground. Um, yeah. And I had the famous... Uh, famous mother in the, the 1990 drawn game. Uh, this is how things changed. 1990 out at Waverley, and Darren, the late Darren Mullane, was running the ball out. He went to hand pass around the player. At the same time, I was running out to give a message, and it hit my hit my shins and ricocheted out of bounds. And the, these days, it obviously is an automatic free kick, um, but yeah. it was thrown in. We won it. It was kicked down to the forward line. Peter Sumich marks it. He has a shot on goals. He misses the goal, kicks a point. The game's drawn. So, uh, a lot of people might say I wouldn't have had many smothers in my time, but that was a pretty crucial smother, uh, Sammy, to, to give us a chance to win the game. The running days were fantastic, um, but then you know to experience um, the success of that time under Mick it was just amazing. He, he was just an amazing coach that just transformed. Um, the way West Australians thought, really, in the way he went about his coaching. So after West Coast, I think you started up another business, didn't you? And then Mick has come and rung again because he's got the job at Carlton. Well, at the end of 99, when Mick decided that he was uh, heading back to Collingwood, um, he said, right, you're coming with me. But uh, my girls were at high school. I got three daughters um, and they were all at high school. And I said, Mick, I, I cannot, I cannot take them out of high school. I've got to do the right thing by my family. Football's always come first but this time mm. um, so I didn't go with him but he also had another crack a couple of times uh, during his <laughs> stint there um, but again you know um, I didn't uh, after 2006 premiership in, in at Richmond at um, West Coast Sam um, I felt my time was up there you know John Warslob was coaching and he was doing a great job but you know I just felt like when I finished my playing career that I was just getting pushed aside a little bit. So I thought an opportunity come up at the West Australian Football Commission to oversee the talent programs, the 16s and 18s. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. And 
And I, I worked there for three and a half years. Uh, we won the, the 18s twice in 207 and 209. And it was just a really good experience to see these young guys come into a, a talent pathway um, with the ambition of trying to get drafted um, and, you know, to, to work with those young men um, and try and impart my experience was uh, fantastic. And, you know, I look back now and, you know, to see kids like Natanui and Duncan, Mitch Duncan, uh, Daniel Rich, uh, more Paul Morabito, who had injured himself at Fremantle, uh, Fife, uh, the list goes on and on. And so it gave me a great interest. I mean, being uh, particularly a West Coast through and through and, and a Richmond, you know, other clubs, you know, particularly Fremantle, well, they were, you know, enemies. Um, but then to, you know, to support those players, um, you know, when they played for other clubs was great experience. And then 2010, um, Phil Matera, who I coached and great mates with, um, he said, I want to start this business up uh, with energy saving lights. He said, will you come and run it for me? And I thought, well, that's a 360. Getting out of football and trying to sell energy efficient lights, I thought, well, you know, sometimes you have to challenge yourself there. But knew yep. nothing about it. I don't think I could change the light globe now, to be honest. But anyway, um, so he said, but I want you to go to Melbourne. Um, and it was probably, it was, um, it, was, it was a good choice for me as much as, you know, it was tough going because I lost my wife. She passed away in 2004 after another stint of cancer. Um, and at 41, it was it was an amazing sort of your world turns around a bit. I think you don't expect it as much as, you know, she battled cancer. It was good cancers, so we were told, because they were curable. But unfortunately, at 41, she got uh, another type called renal cell carcinoma, which was incurable. Um, so that, that sort of happened pretty quickly, and she passed away, and... Uh, and I thought at the time when Phil said, let's, you know, come across and work for me, I thought it was a good opportunity just to get away and take a breather from everything, you know. Um, and so I went to Melbourne to, to sell these energy-efficient lights. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't go that well. Um, it was tough. I think uh, Phil uh, didn't realise the competitiveness in that area. Um, but again, I always look at the positive. So I got to spend an hour every Wednesday uh, on KB's show, uh, where he would uh, give the Matura lights uh, a bit of a, um, a boost <laughs> and we would talk football. Uh, and it was such a good experience, Sammy. I would just talk back radio, or, you know, yeah. trying to answer questions. I, I really enjoyed that part. But uh, in, in the end, my first grandchild was born. The business wasn't going great. At the same time, Mick was being obviously poached after um, Brett Ratton it's time that Carlton was up and then Mick came to Perth and said I want you to come with me and I thought well I'm coming this time we didn't have the success Sam that obviously you know Mick wanted um, and Carlton uh, as much as we we made the finals in the first year when Essendon uh, was disqualified um, and to beat Richmond in that first final that was I was out there doing the midfield for Carlton and uh, when Richmond ran out, ran out of the roar, I thought, far out, we're in trouble here. <laughs> um, and we came back from 30-odd points to, to, to win that game. Um, but then, obviously, the next couple of years, uh, we, we struggled. But, as I said, you know, I always look, uh, the people at Carlton were amazing. 
A big reason, you mentioned that final against Richmond, a big reason Carlton came back to win that final was a man that you helped coach at West Coast and at Carlton. His name is Chris Jard, and he, in retirement, said that you were the strongest influence over his career and that you obviously had a huge impact on him as a, as a young player when he started at West Coast. I just wondered if you saw many similarities in a young Chris with how you played the game. He was fond of a, a snag out of midfield as well, obviously. Well, well, he was unbelievable. Uh, It's funny because Barry Rollins, who was my uh, Richmond teammate, um, and he had a fair bit to do with the school footy program at Crawford Grammar. And uh, I can remember taking the phone call on a Sunday morning. uh, The the draft must have been Sunday afternoon. um, And he said, Rob, he said, "You've, you've just picked up, West Coast had just picked up the best things in sliced bread in Chris Judd. And um, because I can remember the recruiting people saying to me, you know, they say Chris Judd's a, a great player, but his kicking is unbelievably bad. And I had a look at a couple of, um, you know, a couple of games, and I, I said to the recruiting guys, I said, his kicking is not the best, but it's not the worst. I reckon you can improve on it. Um, and so anyway, we, we ended up getting Chris because he got overlooked by, um, you know, the first two picks. Um, and when he came over, because Barry said, make sure you look after him. You know, the big part of coaching, I felt, was to be able to get young men out of the football club and back home into your, you know, friendlier environment and just find out about find out about the, the kids, you know. And, uh, and you know, I did that with Chris and I did that with a few. But we, we just really, you know, sort of hit it off and... Uh, he was an amazing athlete because he was so proactive. He just mm. pushed you. And so his first training um, session with the West Coast, I think he nearly had an airy, Sam. He nearly missed the ball kicking. And so, you know, every day at, at the club, Monday to Friday for half an hour, we'd be in the gym and just working on some technique. Um, and, and to his credit, it became a, a pretty effective kick. Um, just to add to his unbelievable talents of finding the ball. But, you know, Chris was, um, he he was great to work with because um, he he always challenged. But all he wanted to do was be known as the best inside player, particularly in big games. And I said, that's fine, but we have to develop your outside game. We need you to be getting some easy handball receives to add to the you know, all the contested football. And um, we need you as to kick goals because midfielders, if you can add goals to, to you as a midfielder, it, it just makes you such a better player. Delights out, he trained hard, he's pushed himself. Ben Cousins was another. And, you know, unfortunately, Ben's had his issues, but he had talent, but God, did he work hard. Um, and so, you, you know, that's a really important thing. But it was, you know, I was very fortunate to work with a lot of um, athletes. And it was great to go back to work with Chris at, at Carlton and, um, you know, as, as he got older, he had to change his ways. He had to prepare himself a, bit, a little bit differently, um, but he was the ultimate professional. I did say to him when he first when he first Brownlow, I thought, I thought you were a bit lucky. So uh, I think he played better in other years, you know. So I had to always be honest to him and uh, he, he, he took that on his chin and, uh, but... Loved every every second of working with Chris. Um, not only was he a good footballer, but he was a great person. Fantastic. Well, Rob, as are you, and we need to thank you very much for the memories today. I mean, it was a fair old journey at the top level in two states as a superstar player, and you very much topped it off as a coach and a long-time assistant coach as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks very much for having us, Sam. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, nothing better than looking back at the past 
um, and you know just reliving what really makes you as a person and I've been really lucky because you know I played at three great great clubs I was able to coach at another great club and uh, the most important thing is the people that you meet along the way and I've got so many you know fantastic friends that uh, we can always have a laugh at now and 65 years of old age now Sam so I've got to I've got to start remembering all these things that might go away pretty quickly so uh, no, thanks for having us really enjoyed it Uh, You've got memories for life, no doubt about it. Thank you, Rob. And thanks for your time too. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll catch you here next week to celebrate the life of another sporting icon. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.